Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, that is Dr. Z, Dr. Z underscore psychologist on the Instagram. I am John Barchard, JB, at John Barchard on the Twitter.com. And also, well, you're seeing this right here uh, as well. And thank you again to... Uh, uh, well, I, I should say my wonderful sponsor, uh, Liquid Death Mountain Water. Thank you so much for dropping that off. You can see it behind me here. So, Dr. Z, a nice big uh, good evening to you. And, uh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I'm going to have to send you a case because this is fun. Um, but uh, hey, hey, Anna. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining in. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for joining in as well. Um, Dr. Z, you did an amazing job uh, gathering, uh, gathering everybody's questions tonight for uh, this uh, session in particular. High anxiety. Uh, or function high functioning anxiety, I should say. My my mistake. There were so many questions. So, so many, many questions. questions. Yes. yes, very very pumped to kind of get into uh, to all of those. But um, just like with everything, I'd like to start at the basic level. Uh, when when we say high functioning anxiety, we when when we say high functioning depression, are those two kind of synonymous with one another? Do you have? To, are you gonna have both? Is there a possibility you only have anxiety or only have depression? Where are we with that? Yeah. So depression and anxiety are best friends. They uh-huh. don't go far without each other. Uh, you absolutely can have one without the other, but it's very common that if you have one, you'll kind of have maybe hints of another one if you are not managing the primary one properly. So, for example, if you have tremendous amounts of anxiety, you're not dealing with it well isolating yourself, you're doing poorly in school, you're not, you know, um, socializing with your friends, Yeah, depression can kind of come from that and, you know, and the other way as well. So they are, they are pretty close friends. And is that, um, can you give me an example of, of what high functioning depression <clears throat> might look like? Cause I, I might, I don't sure. even think I know. Sure. So high functioning depression would be, you have a smile on your face, you are able to go to work, you're able to get everything done that you need to, Mm -hmm. you're able to take care of your kids, you're able to perform well in school. In fact, you may perform exceptionally well in school because you dive into all of your studying, you kind of zone in on that, you have extremely high expectations for yourself, um, which means there's a long way to fall. So um, to the outside world, you don't look depressed. You're very functional. Um, you're not crying, you're not laying in bed, things like that. You're still going to the gym, but you feel internally just awful. Um, you feel like you have to hide everything. You feel just lonely and sad constantly. Yeah, that's, uh, that, no, that's a, that's a great explanation. And then what, on the flip side, what would a high functioning anxiety look like to somebody? So to be honest, high functioning anxiety in a sense is similar that, People, so somebody said dead inside. Yeah, so yeah. so it, it's a little lighter than dead inside. It's more of kind of um, anyone. God, here we go. <laughs> anyone got here an example go. of lighter than dead inside? So so Winnie the Pooh. Everyone familiar with yes. Winnie the Pooh? Yes. Okay. A little Eeyore and, action. Is that where we're going? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Eeyore. Just kind of no like everything's right. just kind of blah blah blah. He's not, you know, he's not dead inside, but he's just like eh. he's like Debbie Saturday Night Live, like Debbie Downer, definitely like that. So, um, so so that's more of the it's not so much a dead inside, but more of that. But you're more at risk for becoming majorly depressed. So yeah, um, high functioning anxiety is the same in that you present to the outside world as very put together. You always look the part. Um, you're 
proactive, you're on time, in fact, you're early, you just look like you have it all together. Um, but inside, you are an anxious, just constant ball of worry. Um, and a lot of the behaviors hey. that... <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? So I can go through what the symptoms are, but you know, I know a lot of people are on here are going to say, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, that's me. And here's the thing. Everybody at some point in their life, on a day-to-day basis, moments, whatever, everybody at some point in their life is going to feel anxious. They're going to feel Eeyore-ish. It's impossible not to. So when when we talk about these symptoms and we talk about things going on, understand that the difference between you saying like, oh my God, I, I, I feel like that a lot versus these symptoms is that these symptoms aren't ever going away. They're constant. They're chronic. High-functioning anxiety and high-functioning depression, they're not DSM diagnoses, meaning they're not an actual diagnosis, but mm. they are something that's very you know, relevant and that a lot of functional people experience. And remind me again, if, if something's not recognized, what's DSM stand for again? It's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of all the psychiatric oh, gotcha. disorders. And, and why, don't, why do they, uh, out of curiosity, why do they push those two things out of the journal? Um, In your opinion. Prob- yeah. I mean, usually it's research-based. Um, there's not a lot of research that's been done on it, or um, you know, it doesn't really meet criteria of something that warrants an actual treatment protocol for it. Um, you know, and a lot of times these kind of really fun- high-functioning people don't present for treatment because they don't know any different. They don't, you know, we'll talk about that with high-functioning anxiety, but. They figure everybody's like this. They're just horrible at handling it. Yeah. Okay. That, that yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. And so, if I, what are the signs that I have high functioning anxiety? Um, people pleaser. Mm. You have a really hard time saying no to people. Um, you you really just want to help. You don't want to disappoint. You don't want people to um, be angry at you. You don't want to feel like you're failing them, even if they never put any expectations on you. Um, sorry, my voice is like shot. Um, <laughs> Somebody, what? <laughs> somebody's had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> my air conditioning broke in my oh. house. Uh, somebody's not having such a great weekend. No. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, they ruminate a lot. They worry. What if this? What if that? What if this? And it's chronic and it's constant. They have insomnia. They don't sleep. Um, Procrastination is a huge one for for this. Procrastination and perfectionism are very, very common in high-functioning anxiety. They are all related. It's this like triangle. It's anxiety, the perfectionism, um, and procrastination. It's this triad that it just is this vicious vicious cycle that just goes around and around. Um, uh, By the way, real quick, highly recommend going back to session nine because we dove right into that. And for some of you, I I don't think you were able to see that because Apple made a huge boo-boo and it took forever Mm -hmm. to get to the stream. So if you haven't, and if you're curious about people, please, procrastination and uh, perfectionism is all being buddies. We talk about that for over an hour in session nine. Yeah. Just wanted to put that in there. Yeah. Forgot about that. Good call. Um, (laughs) so they can't say no. Um, and they just always seem like they're just on edge. They're just never able to be present in the moment. They have a really hard time just, just kind of being, they're always worried about what's going to come next, what's going to come next. 
Um, Ooh, Eric with the ca- ca- catastrophizing. Yeah, they ca- yes, they <laughs> catas- yes, especially about their future. They have a really hard time trusting that their future will turn out well. Not that something horrible is going to happen. They just can't predict their future. Um, yeah. Who can? It, it, Who can? A lot of people. Really? I don't yeah. that. Who can? How is that possible? I don't know. I've never been able to be. I, I'm with you on that. I remember my friends used to always like, oh, you know, I'll be here and I'll be here. And I'm like, I can't. I have no. I uh-huh. literally couldn't picture it. But because that, that would mean I that have a, high functioning anxiety. Yeah. And I, I clearly <laughs> don't. <laughs> Not at all. I don't worry. No, never. No. Well, that's so. Yeah, I guess because like. And, and, and a lot of a lot of this goes back to those same like, you know, uh, almost diagnoses with ADHD and things like right. that. And I so sometimes and it's pretty clear that I'm a, I'm a high functioning anxiety person as well, um, although I've never been properly diagnosed, although but you're telling me that uh, it, it does, the medical journal doesn't even recognize it. So um, I now let me well, I will yeah. say this. High-function anxiety oftentimes in therapy may get categorized as generalized anxiety disorder because of the intense amount of worry constantly about everything. So mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is a possibility. Um, and <laughs> just want to say my doubles partner-ish just logged on here. Yeah. I had a really crappy day today. I played like crap. <laughs> it's her fault. <laughs> when the tennis She's is really bad, it has like, been a bad day. I played like crap. Damn it. <laughs> um, the other thing too, so with high functioning anxiety, it'll show up as generalized anxiety disorder, things like that. Yep. With high functioning depression, a lot of times you'll see something called dysthymic disorder, um, where it's that you are kind of this low grade, mild, chronic depression. They don't know that there's any other way to be because they've always felt this way. Just like generalized anxiety. You don't know there's any other way to be because you've always worried. Doesn't everybody always worry? No, they don't. Um, what the is other that like? I just want to say that to people. Yeah. That do, what yeah. is that like? What is To that not like? worry? To not worry. It's un- I have I, no I don't, idea. Well, here's the thing. When people don't worry, they feel like something's going to happen. They feel like worry gives them this... really what it is, we talked about this, it gives them an illusion of control. It makes them Mm. feel like they're working and solving the problem when really they're doing absolutely nothing except just sitting in position. They haven't done anything. So the reason why people have a hard time letting go of worry is they feel like if they let go of worry, that bad thing's going to happen. But because we make this illogical connection between the two. Right. Um, And then the other thing too, I just want to say, because I think people will identify with this. People with high functioning anxiety, even though they seem like they do so, so much and they're nonstop and everyone can go to them and they're super dependable, they're dependable because they're scared to death of failure. They're dependable because they're petrified to say no. They don't want to disappoint anyone. They don't want to disappoint their parents. They don't want to disappoint their friends, their family. They rarely go outside their comfort zone. So even though it looks like they're doing a lot, they do things with the purpose of getting the tasks done. They don't do things that they enjoy. So they, they, they really don't function well outside of their comfort zone because they feel like they're doing something wrong because they're not attacking or addressing a task that has to be done. That makes a ton of sense. And it's probably why like we're not great maintainers as well, because it's just Correct. it's boring. It's really for me, I can't exactly I, I can't I'm I've accepted that. Like I'm just not I'm not a maintainer. It's okay. 
And that's where the depression, when you might say, are they, how are they related? That's where the depression piece comes in is that if you're constantly engaging in tasks and we talk about doing things that are in line with what you value, yeah. you're constantly doing tasks that aren't in line with things that you enjoy and value. You absolutely put yourself at risk for depression and also high functioning anxiety, extremely high risk for substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, uh, I can I can definitely see that because you're trying to constantly like if it gets to a point where you know uh, whatever it is it's going to show up physically at that point because you're packing mm-hmm. too much away. So if that's, that's another thing, yep, that's in your stomach or whatever it is, it definitely shows a lot of that up. And um, you guys did a fantastic job of giving questions to Doctor Z tonight, and I think this all kind of um, entails what we're talking about. And I don't know if you, do, should we should we just have it be anonymous. I can't remember if we want to use names or not. You guys, you let us know if you want to use names. Um, next, I guess next for time. now, let's do anonymous, yeah. and then we'll ask next time, just in case. I think that's a good idea. Uh, the first one is, well, how do you reduce this high functioning anxiety, and how do you maintain a more balanced mental state? And I know that's a big can of worms, but what's? Let's start at the peak. What would you? What would you recommend? So first things is, I think you know, I always say therapy. You know, Number extremely one. helpful. Be- yep number one, behavior therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, you need to start to figure out first, what I would do with somebody is figure out their values, right? What is it that you value in life? Period. And break that down as, as simplistic as you can. And then look at your behaviors on a day-to-day basis. Are your behaviors, are the things you're actually doing in line with those values? Chances are they're not. Um, start to prioritize things that you enjoy, start to implement them slowly And when you do understand that you're going to start to feel out of control because you're going to feel like you're not achieving the other things. So it's about tolerating, again, that discomfort, sitting with your anxiety, because remember, all of these things, not saying no, people pleasing, not going outside your comfort zone, procrastinating, perfectionism, taking on too much on your plate, all of that is a way to avoid sitting with discomfort. Whatever that belief is that you have, it could be that you're not good enough. It could be that you were told nothing you did mattered. It could be there was extremely high expectations of you. You had to get straight A's. You had to go to an Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to do this, 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 and this. You had to have these types of friends. And, um, you know, we see this a lot with kids today. And I I always say this, our babysitters, when they were applying for college, I mean, my God, I I always say this, I never would have gotten in anywhere. They're on committees and this and that and straight A's and they can't get into schools. It's yeah. beyond me. The pressure and the anxiety, this this high functioning anxiety is so prevalent now in in teens, adolescents, college kids. It's it's all the college kids I see. Every single one of them, without question, has this. Yeah. So w- without question, um, and everyone. And the craziest thing, and I have to find the link. I can put this on my on my website because mm-hmm. I think it will really be helpful for people. And what's your website to- again? drjamiezuckerman.com. Thank you. <laughs> That's why you do what you do and I don't. <laughs> like, Google me. You'll find it. <laughs> it's there somewhere. It's there. They're staring at me. Uh, yeah, anyway. So one of the things that started happening with people was that psychologists started noticing that we were getting all these college age and younger, I would say, I mean, I work with 18 and older, but like yeah. adolescent through college, right? coming into their office with the most intense anxiety, grades, relationships, friendships, you name it, anxious about everything, Mm -hmm. perfectionism. And you would expect that the level of anxiety that they had 
even though they were so high functioning, because the schools around here, I mean, they're all excellent. So you would expect them to be, you know, the, the families they came from were great. There was, you know, usually when someone comes in with that level of intense anxiety, you expect something to be off. Nothing was off. Yeah. They had great relationships with their parents. They had great upbringings. Um, and so it, it was very confusing for a while. And then what, what we started, not me personally, but what, you know, collectively what right. we started realizing was that these kids were experiencing extremely high functioning anxiety because not that they were given a message that they were not good enough, which it still is an issue, but not good enough or, you know, you can't do anything on your own. Mm. They were given the message that because the parents would jump in and save them emotionally at all times, they never developed emotion regulation strategies to deal with life problems. Yes. For example, kid doesn't make soccer team, parents call. You know, instead of letting the kid... Correct. Yeah. Instead of letting the kid... It, listen, it sucks, right? It sucks. You're going to have to try again next year. It sucks. And teaching them to sit with that discomfort or, you know, the friends are, friends are fighting. Instead of the parents saying, let them handle it, they're calling for, you know, even when I was teaching undergrad, I couldn't, I mean, every year I swear it got worse and worse. I would have parents call me. If my mother ever called my college professor, I would have been mortified. Parents were calling on behalf of their kids for their grades. And so what happened was you had this generation where, they were never taught to just sit with their shit and just yep. learn how to regulate it themselves. So when, and, and also by the parents jumping in, it gives this, this message of, we also don't think you can handle it. So we're going to handle it for you. Mm -hmm. When really it was the parents' discomfort. It's so uncomfortable to watch this. Let me just take it away and handle it. Yes. Fast forward to college. They get a B plus instead of an A. They can't handle it. They have a breakup with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. They don't get into the sorority they want. They have a fight with their friends. Forget it. It's 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 such it's such a hard it's a far hard fall from where they were. Yeah. So that is anxiety. That's high functioning anxiety and this inability to sit with that discomfort and regulate it. Um, and, and at nineteen, I mean, sitting sitting in there because I know clearly. I mean, I was sitting in that in that zone too. And to not be able to have in the avenue of what to do, I think is mm -hmm. I, the, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was not being around my parents and like choosing Correct. to be at 17 right. and a half or 18 or whatever, just to just to do the old school thing and just be like, nope, I got to figure this out on my own. Right. I got to pay for college. I got to pay for college. If there's another way around, there's another way around. And I did. Mm -hmm. And it started my what I thought my education yeah. of figuring out who I was and yes. Right now, yeah, I, I would be terrified if I was a, if 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 you're talking about they are power, terrified and they should they be are. they should be they are I, there's there's a there's a part of this where that I feel like there's it, like you said even in great families they're still in a, a very right and here's the thing here. yeah the parents aren't doing this they they're actually you know very upset and hurt yeah. when they realize what they've done it's not like they're doing it on purpose to uh -uh. make their child feel bad. They genuinely think they're helping. That's, mm -hmm. that's the hard part. So a lot of it is parent education, but because the ages that I work with, it's, it's, it's difficult because I don't talk to their parents. Yes. So I have to figure out a way to kind of have the, you know, students set boundaries with their parents. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, to, you know, and, and that happens a lot, even at a young age, cause I'm in the sports world so much. 
And you see that way too often. Start, starting out in eighth grade or ninth grade or tenth grade. And yeah. some of these kids have the pressure of like, hey, you've got to do this because if you don't, we can't afford you to go to school. That's one. So right. please go get a scholarship. Otherwise, you're not right. going to continue your education. And two, right. uh, some of these guys are carrying their entire families along with them yes. to school as well. So like, That's can't right. imagine that like once these kids actually get to a pro level or want to turn professional into anything that I don't even know how you know what that kid is. Do they value the sport that they're playing at that point? Are they just doing it to make sure that their families are okay? And do they value this thing so much because everyone else does and they can't Correct. set aside their stuff? And they use. can't set it aside. And and I am so – I don't think we've said this. We said this a little bit, but when – when the Olympians came out and all these young tennis players that are finally coming out and saying like, hey, you know what? This is fucked up. Like, we need a break, too. What the hell's going on? We're not just some spectacle that you can demand answers at and, pre- and obviously been in that world, too. So I, I get that. I, uh, we don't recognize that enough. And I think we've almost treated a bunch of group, people, including teenagers and athletes and all this as like yeah. non-human and just Correct. they'll figure it out eventually. And then we question, well, how come they haven't? Why are they cracking? How come they're turning to drugs in the pro? I'll Correct. tell you why. Right. You know? And also, you know, another thing, too, with the, with the high functioning anxiety, especially when you have college athletes or elite athletes. Um, and I am, I have no doubt you have seen this way more than I have, but when, when that is your identity mm. and you get injured, mm-hmm. you know, that's when a lot of substance abuse happens, right? We know that. And, and, you know, it's, it's when depression, anxiety set in. So it's what maintains their, their motivation if it's not something that they're doing independently on their own, a lot of times what's motivating them is all these other variables which create that high functioning anxiety because yeah. there's also another part to high functioning anxiety and um, somebody on my on my page had commented about this um, and I'm assuming she's on here right now I don't I forget her screening but um, Vincent's mom if you're on here little Vincent <laughs> my man um, she was saying that you know and this is kind of the same for athletes too that that the plus side of having high functioning anxiety is what a lot of times motivates these high-level athletes, right? It pushes them to succeed. It pushes them further than the average person, right? It mm-hmm. it, it it increases their performance. So if I'm going to see if I can draw this, and I think I so show off. Oh, oh, <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> okay, so here's performance and anxiety, right? So a little bit of like no motivation, no anxiety. Your performance suffers. You, you're just like blah. A moderate amount of perform of, of anxiety, make, you know, gives you kind of that that push that you need, right? That that motivation that you need, but then too much anxiety mm-hmm. decreases your motivation again because it it paralyzes you. So it's kind of like not enough doesn't get you there. Too much paralyzes you. Somewhere right in the middle is where you want to be. High functioning anxiety, kind of. I don't know which direction you're saying. This is like right here where it's it's not quite dropping, but you're kind of in that middle ground. It's almost and like you get some, used to that. Someone's doing this almost, yeah. like got you by the hand and like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you constantly feel, that's why they feel so unbalanced and so out of sorts because part of them is is horribly anxious. The other part of them is motivated. And it's this very odd place to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, back to the original question of what do you do? A lot of times people don't even realize that it's anxiety. 
they feel overwhelmed or they feel like, um, you know, they are procrastinating so much. They don't realize the underlying function of it, which is they're avoiding that discomfort of for whatever reason it is. They don't feel they're capable of it. Like what we talked about with students, yeah. um, you know, or expect their expectations are too high. They have an intense fear of failure. So they kind of self-sabotage because they don't know how else to manage that. So and you to be would, honest with you, I think yeah. I'm doing that literally right now for the last week and a half. There's a project that I've been working on that is very personal to me. So obviously I want it to be, but I'm so afraid also because it's out of my comfort zone completely. Right. And I enjoy right. that part of it. I just, right. it's, it's getting because to the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. as long as you don't finish it, you can't yeah. fail. I, like, yeah. It's as long as, yeah, excuse. It, yeah. Right. But I mean, think about it. Think about the anxiety you're avoiding by not finishing it. You mm -hmm. can't have it. If that's your main thing at the core, this fear of failure, then procrastination is a way for you to control not feeling that. The yep. problem is, is that if you don't do it, you're going to fail anyway, right? And if yep. you scramble at the last minute, you're going to fuck up somehow. You're going to fail anyway. So it doesn't even, it doesn't matter. But the, the other things that you can do, obviously, in therapy, you want to make sure that you create task lists, but implement things that you enjoy. So these are for the people that, you know, that, that make lists upon lists upon lists, and you know who you are, so you, you know, because you love that feeling of crossing something off a list. But it's not, right, but it's not, <laughs> it's not like a regular list making. It's like lists to just re almost like reassure yourself that you're doing something, but you're not actually getting anywhere. Yep. If that makes sense. It's yep. like the list making is avoiding the actual finish line. Yep. Um, so you would work on that. You would implement things you actually enjoy to have you sit with the discomfort of not finishing things. Have you kind of rank things that are more important for you, less important for you. Everything can't be a hundred percent important. So you have people start to figure out the gray areas of it is, you know, give them 10 things. Each thing can't have the same number. Yeah. Try to figure out, you know, how to prioritize them. Um, and then work on eventually their patterns of behavior and how they can switch that up and what they can do differently in terms of their response to other people. Now, the one thing I will say is that people pleasers, notorious for always saying yes, when you start saying no to people who always are used to you saying yes. Oh boy. Get ready. You're yeah. Get ready. You're gonna get. Why are you being selfish? Why are you being rude? You know, are, are you mad at me? I don't. Mm -hmm. Who is this new you? You know, things like that. I really could have used your help, and then the guilt kicks in, and the shame kicks in. So I prepare people for that. That it's a normal emotion to have. It doesn't mean it's accurate. Yes, and uh, it is um, freeing at the same time too. Like it's just like, yes. you'll you'll notice that a lot. And yes, understanding what's behind the avoidance. Yes, Anna, you've been you've right. been following along too, and I'm sure you've been going through that as well. And that's part of. And that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. That that be, what's behind the avoidance is is it fear of failure? Is it uh, feeling incapable of managing these heightened emotions? Is it um, you know, fear of letting people down, fear of disappointing people? Um, you know, any any of that. Um, but then again, there's also the positive side, and this is what I was saying. Um, that somebody left a message on my page about this earlier, that a lot of times high-functioning anxiety can help people through really stressful, difficult times. So, um, and I'm sure she's fine with me sharing it on here because she has an Instagram page on it, but um, her son um, has cancer and a very kind of rare type of cancer. And 
she, they have been through the ringer. I mean, just through the ringer and, um, it's just it the page is victory for vincent if you guys want to go victory follow for vincent. victory for vincent um and this little dude has been through more in his short couple years than my god than uh, anyway um and she was saying that she definitely feels like she has high functioning anxiety um and she noticed it throughout her career yeah. when she stopped working when her son got sick it kind of transferred into her being an advocate for her son. So while it may have kind of held her up in certain ways in her career, it's when you're navigating that the medical system and, you know, from working in hospitals, I, I could tell you this, I could see this for people that have gone through this on here. It is brutal, man. It is brutal. And the red tape and the politics, it's just, it's just, and the weights and the appointment times and insurance and reimbursement. And it's Especially just a mess. The insurance. Good Lord. It's horrible. Yeah. And so that high functioning anxiety for her makes her one of the most kick-ass advocates for her kid. Um, and she gets shit done. Yeah. I mean, she does. So I don't want to say that it's always bad because nothing's always bad and always good. Yes. Sometimes it is important. So that's the purpose of therapy is to just to know when to shift gears, even if it's so subtle, but just know when to shift gears so that your anxiety level is, um, is is consistent or is not out of context for the situation. Yeah, and and the way I love to describe anxiety is kind of like a fire hose. So if you're if it's shooting out like crazy and it's going all over your body i mean the managing part that's where it comes in because i like to what you're describing i like to say feed the beast a little bit if you can if you can manage your anxiety where it's in that sweet spot where you're talking about where you can kind of control ah, i didn't use that word where you can manage that fire hose yes (laughs) right and it, it, it almost becomes like a power tool at that point. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Correct. It's just, it's just going through. It's like a zone. Yeah. And guys, I'm going to tell you, it's literally, I feel as though it's what Dr. Z has been explaining for a long time. It's just value. And what are you truly valuing and who gives a flying F if it's the most incredible thing in the world to the world that you're doing? Let's just say you're in that mind frame. If it's not valuable to you, like you've just said through this entire episode, make sure you understand that and detach yourself from it. And then right. there's two different options there. I mean, like then then that, then that becomes that it could become really quickly that procrast- procrastination part and be like procrastination, procrastination, wah, wah. procrastination. Oh, my little procrastination. Because uh, that sneaks up on you too right away, and then. Damn procrastination. It turns right into depression. Oh, that silly rabbit. Uh, no one knows what that is. Of course they do. You tell me that no one no one in this chat knows Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd. That's ridiculous. Maybe Bugs Bunny, not Elmer Fudd. Uh, but that's where that, I'm, I'm going to do my horrible drawing skills now too. But if we're okay. on that arc, right? Uh, it's, yours is much better. I kind of look like the Nordiques. Nor can you really see that. Oh, good Lord. Uh, <laughs> I can't even see anything. All right, so if if this is where we're high functioning, <laughs> is is this where the depression more or less kind of sets in? Like if we're if, if if this is 
like you were saying, if this is where we're starting to get into that dangerous like arc yes. down in high functionings here, are we hitting that high functioning depression down here as well? Yeah, but they're not on the same curve. Yeah. Because they're they're they're. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess it, it should like be like in, in, in intersecting different chart of like here's my happiness. Yes. Right. Exactly. They kind of yes. meet at a at a parallel there. Correct. Yes. So if you think of it as, <clears throat> I shall draw. <laughs> I love that we're in drawing class tonight. Okay. This is amazing. So, oh yeah. You, sorry. You guys. Way, you guys can rate our drawings. For those that are, better. that are listening to this and have no idea what we're doing, that's why you need to be here on Sunday nights. Correct. <laughs> but just know that there's a there's a place where both of these things kind of meet up at this at the same kind of fulcrum, right? Look at that word. Bet you didn't know I could th throw that around, huh? Uh, anyway, but yes. I did not. <laughs> Especially after procrastination. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and cheers. Yeah. I'm going to show you. Okay, so as anxiety goes up, yes. mood goes down. Mm. So they are negatively correlated. That makes a lot more sense. That's very yes. to the point. Anxiety up, mood down. And also depression starts to rise up when mood goes down Two, yes well i was saying mood goes down as in depression ah ah gotcha gotcha that makes a lot of sense too. <laughs> uh moving right along then because that is pretty much what everything that we've answered on that um <laughs> see we did that we did fancy charts and all we needed was up and down we should have learned from mr miyagi a long time ago uh, the uh, oh uh, another good one um, because I do think this is absolutely a problem. Can one have trouble getting friends with high functioning anxiety, or is that only with social uh, anxiety? And let me tell you, oh yes, I love this question. Want to know why? Because just like I said, maintaining is our issue. So if we're not picking up the phone, if we're not texting, people are going to feel one way or the other about it. I'm terrible at maintaining friendships. So. Worst. I'm the worst at it. I, and I'm I moved so bad. On top of that, I moved around like all of the time as a kid. And now as an adult, there was a lot of bleeding that through. So, you know, I think it was, I think it is hard. It is very hard. So, yeah, I, for my friends that are watching this, they know that if I call them on the phone, like they, like, is something wrong? <laughs> my <laughs> right? mom says the same thing. Did someone time. die? <laughs> Um, and if I answer my phone, it's like, oh my God, you answered. You know, I will text all day long, but phone, forget it. Um, so, so, so. Real Johnny saying both charts were equally terrible. Thank you. True and yeah. thank you. Yes. True, true. Um, <laughs> thank you. So, um, uh, he just lost me with my oh, charts. No, uh, they were so good. The, uh, the, when, when your friends call and you pick oh, up, they're, yes. they're shocked. Yeah. So, so. High function anxiety absolutely affects friends, but here's why. For, I think because you're constantly busy and then you drain yourself and you're exhausted, you don't want to, you don't feel like socializing. Yeah. This is different than social anxiety. So this is very different. And I'll, so I'll, I'll talk about why, but um, social anxiety is when you feel like people are judging you. People are talking badly about you. Um, people think you're stupid. People are just looking at you in a very, non-favorable light and you're putting ideas into their head essentially from it, from your own perspective kind yeah that you think you can read their mind so you know i had a patient that like didn't want to go get coffee because she was worried if she dropped her wallet everyone would stare at her and everyone you know they don't like talking in front of people because everyone's gonna you know so they 
That's different. Um, you don't connect with people then for that reason. Some people, social anxiety disorder, like one-on-one. Some people, that's like, you know, they'd rather jump in traffic than do that. Whereas groups of people are easier for them. So it's, it, just, it just depends. But with high-functioning anxiety, the reason why they have difficulty connecting, they are such reassurance seekers. Mm-hmm. They're constantly asking for reassurance. So... So fucking annoying. <laughs> annoying. <laughs> exactly. And by the exactly. way, I'm calling myself out. It's so annoying. Yeah. It's I annoying. It. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's draining. And they're not doing it on purpose. They don't mean to be annoying. They don't want to be annoying. And there's the difference between anxiety and a personality disorder. They are fully aware how annoying it is. They're fully aware of how draining it is. They just can't help themselves. Um, so, so there's that. They also are talkers, talkers, talkers. They talk out of anxiety. They fidget. Yeah. They, they, they have lots of like anxious behaviors. Um, they are constantly early to things. So like they're the people showing up for holiday dinners, like 20 minutes early, you know, or birthday parties where like you're supposed to come like 10 minutes casually late. Um, (laughs) yeah, I'm always the late end of that, by the way, is that anxiety too? Okay. Making sure. So I'm always late for it. But well, here's the thing. A lot of times, yes, because you get so caught up in the details of stuff, you can't break away from it. So you end up being late, hence procrastination. So there's it goes both ways. Um, but on the outside, you look very type A. You get you get shit done, you yeah. know, like you 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 have all this stuff going on, you do all these things, you have your own business, so like you're always smiling, you know. So it's yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm. I'm just. I. I think there's. It comes to a point too where you, you know, and everybody in here knows this too. You just get tired of thinking about your own shit. You know, like I. I don't. I'm so tired of figuring out like, am I yeah. this? Am I that? Is it this? I just. You know. Well, that I was gonna say, it's yeah. all about self. There's a ton of self comparison. Yeah. Comparing yourself to other people in a certain area, right? Like a certain area of work or a certain sport or whatever. You constantly comparing yourself to others yeah. in a very unfavorable way. Yeah, and that's uh, I. Yeah, thankfully, I don't think I've done that in a very long time. Because again, once you get to that place where, ooh, you don't give a shit as much. Yeah, <laughs> I can never say fully let go, but yeah. I think that happens too as you get older. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you just burn Definitely. out. Yeah, I'm there. You just <laughs> yeah, burn like, out. You just, just don't care. Yeah, you don't. And I think it's uh, and that can be good and bad too. You know, like uh, yeah, like you don't want to. That's that's when you just kind of fall into into more of that depression mode. If you're just like, oh, I don't care about anything. Correct. Um, yep. But I, yeah, like I I I feel as though it's everyone kind of sees this or recognizes or feels it and is just not sure how to. Well, and and what are the best practices when somebody like. Because I, I feel as though I'm living with another person with high-functioning anxiety, and that mm-hmm. works out pretty well because we both know when it's going off and when it's not. Yeah. But it, it, it's, I mean, in all my relationships with non-anxiety people, it is a burden. I mean, it is, it, it's most most of those relationships probably don't end up working out anyway. We've certainly gone over what, what can happen when these things clash with uh, narcissism. Uh, what when we lost you. Oh, uh-oh. I still hear you. Are we still here? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, okay, I can good. hear you. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're lagging now. now. Okay, yeah, good, uh, good. But what um, healthy relationship? Uh, what what should the non-anxiety person be doing to either 
making that better, feeling comfortable yeah. for themselves and so on. Yeah. So this is what I do with, I have a couple, I would say two very reassurance seeking friends and they know they're annoying with it. <laughs> they know, yeah. they, they know they are. Um, I just flat out say, I am purposely not answering you purposely not answering you because I want them to know that I'm not dismissing them. I'm not being rude. I kind of make a joke out of it. They know I do this for a living. Um, I just, I'm I'm not doing, you know, I'm not going to answer you. Not going to do it, you know? And that's usually helpful because it's, it's, it's not dismissive, right? Because again, they, they're in pain, like, right. They're in discomfort. They're not doing it on purpose to, to be an ass to you there, you know, it's very kind of to make them feel better. But if I constantly reassurance, fill that for them, it becomes this vicious cycle that they become, they feel like they need to get that in order to feel better. So they keep requiring other people, which is what you don't want. Um, you want to be able to kind of get that from within, which is really scary for somebody who's always put their sense of worth and performance value on other people. Um, and the other thing I, I think it does is it lets them know that you're not like an annoyed and angry because a lot of times like, are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? You know, that kind of thing. And I think that way is way better than saying like, Oh my God, you're so annoying or not calling them back or, you know, things like that. I, I sometimes will tell people when they set boundaries to not respond at all to that, but it depends on the intensity. It depends on the context. But for my friends, I just, I just will say like, I'm not doing it. And you know why? And that's it. And they usually laugh yeah. about it. They're like, okay, okay. You know, and that usually helps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good, see, and that's a good boundary that you probably didn't have set up before. Right? No. Yeah. And that's, that's, no. I could, I, yeah, I could definitely see why. Because if you think to one another, yeah. And if you think they're annoying, then guess what? Like you're feeding right into that belief they have about themselves that, yep. you know, they're less than other people. Yeah, and man, that cycle happens. Who does that happen a lot? Like, if you get caught up yeah. in that, you just automatically you value and devalue so many people because, like, yeah. your head is spinning and you don't realize right. that at the time. When this is, yeah, that's right. that's a it's a great thing to recognize for sure. Um, and certainly, lies um, each week. By the way, Doctor Z, be on the lookout for all those inner stories on our posts. Uh, we love to uh, get as many questions from uh, from you as possible. And like we said, we want to kind of. Keep those uh, rolling here, too. Oh, uh, another good one. Can high-functioning anxiety uh, look like other disorders when in reality it's just high-functioning anxiety? I think we went over a little bit of that, but just want to clarify for anybody that might have missed that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So generalized anxiety disorder, chronic worry, right, about everything and everything. Yep. Um, The difference is with people with GAD, um, their functioning is impaired more, so they wouldn't be as high-functioning as somebody with high-functioning anxiety. They, They would be more disabled by their worry. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing it tends to look for, and this is why I say stop throwing around the term narcissist. Somebody who's high functioning anxiety is very much and who that anxious is constantly in their own head, worry about them, worrying about themselves, and it can look selfish, but it's not. Right? It's 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 not selfish in the way narcissists. They don't care if they're annoying you. They don't care. They don't even. It, it doesn't even matter. They don't want your reassurance. It doesn't. They want your your energy, right? Yes. Yeah. This, this is very different. So even though it comes off selfish looking, it is a completely different type of situation than a narcissist, completely different. Yeah. And then it, because 
you're, like you said, <laughs> at least from my experience, I'm thinking about 45 different things to get done to make sure that person's okay in 48 exactly. hours. Exactly. Correct. The line. Exactly. So, um, right. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a very good distinction. And, uh, and shout out to Anna. I know she won't mind me saying her name because she's always in here asking questions. We really appreciate it. But in front of and behind the scenes. Um, how do you, and it, it, this is another really good one because it's probably a question I would ask. How do you decipher between high-functioning anxiety and just being really, really productive? Although yes. I, do, I do think after tonight's discussion, they do go hand in hand. Yes, they definitely do. Um, I, I don't think there's one solid answer to this because I think it's going to be situation-specific for every person. It could vary day-to-day. But I, I, I strongly believe that the difference lies in how much it impairs your functioning. Mm. So if you are being super productive, but you're getting the task done on time, you're sleeping well, you're eating well, you're not canceling plans, um, you're not isolating yourself, you're not agitated, you're not seeking reassurance, you're being super productive. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not procrastinating. It, those are kind of the defi- – it's really all about – and the same with high-functioning depression, the degree to which it's impairing your functioning. Yeah. And how do you know what your normal level of functioning is? Are you doing the things that you value? The more you go away from them, the the, the lower functioning you become. Yep. And, uh, and, and the, I'm going through – I'm literally going through that question right now in my life. And, I, and it is a hard balance in me. And like, am I doing this because I am just need something to distract yeah. me and like keep the juice running? Or is this – you know – so, yes, and I would say you're going to hit a point when you know whether that's high functioning. If you feel like shit yeah. all the time, yes, you are you are not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> like that is not productive. Right. It's if it Because remember, it's motivating at times. It is. Right? You yeah. know, and so you need that sometimes. Um so it's it's okay to have it sometimes. Oh, it's yeah. again, the degree to which it impairs your functioning. Mhm. And because, you know, like I'm not sleeping most nights just but that's because there is. A, I took on a ton, but I liked what I took on, and I knew the challenges that well, we're going to. You also there. have a cute little baby, and I have a very cute little baby. Yes, that like I and and make sure. I, I think this has helped me the most is to know that like you have this time to this time, and be, and maximize that. And it takes a long time to get to that yep. point, but you'll you'll that fire hose for those six hours, and that's why sleeping, managing your time. And what mm-hmm. you're saying is structure. Structure is oh god, that's Routine. why we say it all the time. I crave structure. I crave structure. Well, unfortunately, you got to create it too. Like that's you, right. you can, no one's just going to give right. it to you because no one's in here. You know what's best yep. for you. And you know what functions. And and so here's the crazy thing that I will say is that high functioning people. And I said this. I mm-hmm. I said this when this. Ha- I remember vividly when the when everything shut down because of the pandemic. Yeah. My patients with generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, they had less anxiety during the pandemic because they could stay home. There was less mm-hmm. responsibility. They didn't have to take on as much. They were great. And then as things started to get better, then their anxiety skyrocketed <laughs> because they had a year of avoidance, right? Yes. Yeah. However, my patients who had high-functioning anxiety and depression, who were functioning well before the pandemic, although they had anxiety, when... That happens, and they had no structure, no routine. They, 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 there was uncertainty left and right. They're still, you know, are, can you get sick? Is it contagious? Should you get the shot? Should you not get the shot? Should we go back to school? Mask, no mask. Philly, you don't have to wear a mask. Montgomery County, you do. Like, what? Does yeah. it? And, and, and what ended up happening was those, that group of people, their anxiety went through the roof. 
mm-hmm. and developed into clinical anxiety. So we, not with everyone, but we, we definitely saw that, that, that happen because they crave that, that structure, that reassurance that, you know, people pleasing, there wasn't any real stuff, their schedule of people pleasing. It was, there was, it was no more, no one's working. It's different. Everything changed. Yeah. And you're either going to want to face that head on or turn in that direction. Like, you know, like, yeah. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> like, why, why do I need to do this? Like, I want to, I want to hit that head on. And yeah, mm-hmm. there was, there was, I think there was a lot of us there, mixed in during the pandemic for sure. Like it either. Just I was one of them. Yeah. I, same. I, I remember sitting at my dining room table with my kids. I was doing a puzzle. Like what? I hadn't cha- been out of my pajamas in like four days and That's I'm the sitting best. there and you know, <laughs> I, I, it was horrible. And I, and, I, and I just remember like feeling like, like I couldn't breathe, like it was this shortness of breath. And I'm like, do I have COVID? Like I can't breathe what? Like, and the next thing you know, I'm like, oh my God. And then I get dizzy and I'm like, I just gave myself a full on like anxiety attack. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Because prior to that, when am I ever sitting doing a puzzle in pajamas at, you know, 10 o'clock on a Monday morning? It it, it threw me for a loop too. I'm used to being productive. To me, that was like, it was just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. If you're giving me an out to wear pajamas every day, I'm going to take it probably. (laughs) Okay. I'll be I, sure we can. Uh, I'll, I'll oh. put a button up on it and wear my PJ pants. To this. I was like, this is weird, but fine. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, that's a, a, another a great explanations all around there. Appreciate that, Doctor Z. I'm going to leave us with this final question because I I wouldn't even know what to tell you. What are if I can find it again? Hold on. Let's cue the music while we find the question. Da, 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 da. Um, how do you catch yourself? Speaking of that, from spiraling out in front of somebody, especially a loved one, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a mm-hmm. partner, whatever it is, what, um, how can you try and manage that before you get to that level? So, yeah, this question. So, there's two things I would say. One is let them know it's happening again. Yep. Because what that does is it allows them to kind of, and we talked about this, like if you picture a tornado, right, a spiral of worry, it allows this objective person to be able to reach in objectively and pull you out. Let them know it's happening again. When you start to feel yourself spiraling, and I have a ton of these exercises on my um, my Instagram page and my highlights at the top, um, instead of answering all your worries in your head, which is going to keep you spiraling, you want to say something that decenters you from here's you, here's your worry, right? And you're like this with this, and you're starting to spiral. You want to separate yourself. You don't want to get rid of the worry because we all know what happens when you try not to worry, right? You worry even more. It's like if I tell you don't blink, you just start blinking like a hundred times in a second, right? Exactly. I would still win a I'm staring gonna, contest. Go all day. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast. They don't talk, they just stare. Are you enjoying this? <laughs> no. No. Yeah, the, the people listening again. I'm so sorry. I'm just staring directly. So, at you. so um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, God, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I um, uh, uh, I'll get a little personal here. There's there are there. So I have a physical tick when I know that's coming on, and it is. I I laugh about it now, but it's like it's a. 
It's it's like Elvis. I get an Elvis lip, like all of a sudden it just goes, oh, I'm going like, oh boy. It's and so I tell your muscles, your facial muscles start to tense up. Yep, it's and that's that's it. that's when I know. I was like, oh no, I've yeah. really I've really passed the limits now. Like it means I haven't probably slept in a couple of days, right? Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah. I slept very seldomly. Uh, and now it's just there's nowhere else to put the anxiety, and this is coming right. up. And I'm like, so I so I start, I start, I take a little bit of my medication, and I know I instantly start laughing because I know like, oh, I know what you're trying to do, and so exactly. I exactly I I let Carrie know, and I've actually found a way to start decompressing. And my it'd be too long of an explanation. I won't bore you, but I would start start heavily researching just kind of like your tendencies and your moods to like what what makes you the most calm or what gets you out of that uh-huh. valued position uh-huh. and stuff like that and then i immediately go to bed because i know that's what i need uh, like any yeah, any form absolutely. of thought that's going through your brain is just gibberish and put that's your right. ass to bed and that's yeah. de- and that's decentering that's exactly yeah. what i'm talking about is that you you don't say okay stop worrying don't worry don't worry that doesn't you can't do that it's going to make it louder you're going to you know you can't control that but you can say i'm doing it again I'm doing it again. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at it rather than each individual thought and playing like litigator with your thought and ping pong with your thought. You know, it's like if you say, okay, I'm not going to worry about that right now. Then you have that little anxiety going, yeah, but what if? And then you start yes, you back are. and forth. <laughs> right. Back and forth. It's like a ping pong match in yeah. your head. And so you want to be the court, not the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. You want to break the chessboard, not the chess pieces. They're going to move around constantly. Ping pong ball is going to move around constantly. You want to be the thing that's consistent. And so that kind of, again, separates you from your thought. Are the chess pieces gone? No, they're mm-hmm. still there doing their thing. But you're the board. You're stable. You're separate from it the entire time. So it, there's a lot of these decentering strategies on my Instagram page, Dr. Z underscore psychologist. Um, and it gives you kind of uh, um, a ton of examples of, of, of how to do this. Um, oh, and this I'm writing a book. My book will be out, and it's on all of this kind of stuff. Again, there's that, bo- there's that book plug. I was, <laughs> that high-functioning anxiety at work. What? The, uh, that's the only, <laughs> I think that's the, only, the second time you've plugged your book in 13 weeks, so keep, keep plugging it because I can't wait I to know, read I it. I know, I forget. Uh, and um, I... Uh, I, I want and, and speaking of that too, like if you're hearing us and you're listening to all this, and you do want to take this further, if you're in the Philadelphia uh, area, hello, Doctor Z is right there. Like, send her an email and see if there's a way you can connect further from what you're talking about now, because obvious, she knows what she's talking about. I think she's very down to earth, um, and that's why we're doing this. Like, I wouldn't do this with anybody that couldn't just get to the point, and that's something me and Dr. Z were very passionate about for the last year, and just like, how come no one's just More. giving you the spoon? Just give me the damn spoon, you know? Yes. Like, let, let I remember you said that. You're like, just, 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 I was like, John, you have anxiety. I know, it's like, yes, but also... <laughs> Tell me what I'm just decentralize all this essentially was what I realized the conversation yeah. is now like may, and yeah. and that's probably the most important point of tonight's session is take yourself out of it make yourself an observer of your own shit and then just yes. go oh that's what that is yes. you know that, I'm telling you I'm third third book plug you'll be proud of me that is exactly what the entire book is about it's a whole workbook of exercises just on this um, and for those of you that are not in the Philly area, if you go to my website, wow. I have workshops on there that are pre-recorded. I have live ones, but I record them. And so you can still 
purchase the recorded versions and download them, you'll get a link sent to you with, you know, the slides and the whole entire thing. So, um, if you're not in the Philly area, you, that's always an option that you can do. Lynn Marie, that's an idea I've thought about for a very long time. She's sitting there. So I so wish I could find someone like you near me. Well, maybe we, can, maybe we can, we can get there eventually. Like I want to, maybe we can give a, some stamp of approvals from the old Dr. Z eventually. Yeah. And here's, yeah. For people that aren't in the area, I have a ton of people constantly asking me, do you know anyone, do you recommend anyone and here, here, here. And I, I mean, you know, I've, I've worked with people from all over. So yes, I do know people Mm -hmm. in like random places in the country that, you know, are, you know, of the same kind of theoretical approach that, that I am. So you know, even if I can't help you, you know, definitely reach out and I can hopefully send you, you know, some names. And you can do that at drjamiezuckerman.com. Not full doctor spelled out, just DR, like, you know, a normal person would think. Come on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, send, send the emails away. And, again, if you have any questions about any of the stuff we talked tonight or if there's a topic that you would like us to cover or just want a question answered, my DMs are always open. Dr. Z always has, you know, the, she, she prompts you with the uh, – the uh, honor story. So make sure you're following her on Instagram, Dr. Z underscore psychologist. And uh, I'll leave the, uh, the final words to you there, Dr. Z. Anything you want to say before we leave? Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> no big deal. It's only <laughs> no your show. Um, no, it's like what I always say, you know, all of the stuff that we're talking about is not weird. It's not bad. It's completely normal. Um, and even if you feel like it's, it's, it's too heavy for you, that's also normal. You know, we, we all have, periods in our lives where we're not doing so well and that's it's it's okay and you know it it'll I you know we and you know because I've said this a million times it's not as easy as just like be happy well no people have like their lives going on and things happen and you know you may just be an anxious person your whole life and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you figure out ways to manage it effectively across situations so it's not this all or nothing thing you know um and yeah, it's again, it's all normal. It's all workable. And by no means are, is anyone on here alone no. at all. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's certainly not. Uh, we're all in the same boat. And that's uh, exactly why on November 19th, 2021, we're all going to take this anxiety and we're going to go have fun. We're all going to watch Top Gun Maverick together, right? I tried to I tried to get one. It just you know. What's November nineteenth? It's the release date of the new Top Gun movie, Maverick, featuring one Tom Cruise. We're going to see it together, all of us. Let's just all wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Did you not know this? He's in it. They're making a new Top Gun. It's coming out November nineteenth. Is, is he still like twenty something? Is it's he him playing and, like? It's him and Miles Teller. Miles Teller is like the. But is he older in it, oh, yeah. or is he? Yeah, he's like the the. Well, the who instructor. wants to see that? I mean, that you and me. Duh. No, see, Lynn Marie's in nineteenth. Boom. That's two. So we're all going to see Top Gun together. I think that's what we should do. Oh, Virtually so- or in person, somewhere we'll pick a theater and uh, we'll just forget about our anxiety for an but hour no, and thirty-five. There's minutes. no goose. Well, there will be, there's a, there'll be a younger, good-looking goose in this. Like, it's just, you know, it's a reboot. It's a Top Gun for a whole new generation. We have to be there to, you know, for this momentous occasion. <laughs> <coughs> Something like that. Oh, oh, by the way, the very, very last thing. If you have any questions about me or Dr. Z, just from a personal standpoint, not like 
a, a, a psychologist thing. If you want to know anything about us, I want to reserve the last 10 minutes of every show to start doing that. And especially, uh, it's, oh, Limerice on the original theater. We have to go. Yes. And yes, there we go. See, uh, but uh, if you have. This is hurting my soul. Because <laughs> like there's a whole bunch of Prince questions I've, I want to ask you and like how you got into Ooh, that stuff. And you know, I can answer them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to say I want to save it for for next 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 episode. I case. actually have a really good story about how I got into that, to be, Ooh, to be honest with you. I'm going to write that down yes. for next week. So tune in next week. And certainly uh, for those listening, thank you again for subscribing and downloading. We see you. You're making a lot of noise. And if you make louder and louder noise, we might actually be able to give you two episodes a week. That's right. Two uh, in 2023. But if you keep making noise, we can we can definitely do that. So keep the reviews coming. We appreciate you, especially on Apple, Spotify, wherever you are listening. Thank you so much. Dr. Z, we'll see you next Sunday. Okay. Bye. Bye. Ah.